Welcome to our worship podcast this morning. Our thanks today go to Philip for the snippet of music after the sermon and to the choristers of St Martin in the Fields for our two hymns, Thou Whose Almighty Word, which begins the service, and Take This Moment, Sign and Space, which ends it. You can find the words on our church website if you'd like to join in. Grace, mercy and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin our worship, let's think of the week that has passed and all that's happened in it. There will have been times when we've done wrong or fallen short because we're human. So we ask for God's forgiveness in the joyful knowledge that nothing can destroy his love for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour 
in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and light of your Church, Open our hearts to the riches of your grace, that we may bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Psalm 85 I will listen to what the Lord God will say. For he shall speak peace to his people and to the faithful, that they turn not again to folly. Truly his salvation is near to those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give all that is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before him and direct his steps in the way. Today's Bible reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's all in the timing, they say. We all know how important it can be to pick your moment, whether you're delivering the punchline of a joke or giving some difficult news to a colleague or family member. As the book of Ecclesiastes puts it, 
There's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh and, and all the rest of it. The problem is knowing which time is which. The ancient Greeks had a word for it, as they so often do, or rather they had two words. There was chronos, chronological time, the time you can tell by looking at your watch. But there was also kairos, the right moment, the opportune time, the time to act. We're all having to find kairos moments, the right times in this coronavirus pandemic. When is it the right time to start seeing friends and family, to start going out and about, to start going back to church if we can? It's not simple and everyone's answers will be different. We all need to move at our own pace, judging what's safe and sensible for us. Maybe today's gospel might help us, though, because it's full of careful timing. Matthew starts his story with the word immediately. And there are two more immediately's later in the passage. But not everything happens straight away in this tale. Some things, perhaps surprising things, take time. People have to wait. As I said, the passage starts with immediately. The Greek word doesn't necessarily indicate haste, but it does mean that there's no delay. Jesus has just fed a vast, hungry crowd with five loaves and two fish, but he doesn't hang about with his disciples discussing what's happened afterwards. Instead, he sends them straight back off across the Sea of Galilee in their boat. Maybe he knows that everyone, including him, needs time to themselves at this point. Whatever the reason, though, there's no hanging around. They're sent off, and as soon as he can, Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. As evening falls, though, a storm blows up, and the little boat, far from land, is battered by the wind and waves. But this is the interesting thing. Because although that word immediately comes three times in this short passage, it doesn't come here. In fact, the story tells us that it isn't until the early morning that Jesus sets off to help his friends. From evening to early morning is a lot of hours to be straining at the oars, rowing against the wind, drenched by the waves, getting nowhere. And when Jesus does show up finally... His first words aren't to calm the storm. The thing he does immediately, there's the second time the word appears, is to say to his disciples, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Hold on to that thought because we'll come back to it later. But Peter still isn't sure that this really is Jesus. He needs proof and he devises a rather daft test to get it. If it is you, he says to Jesus, command me to come to you on the water. They're about to sink. Everyone is frantic. But Peter thinks this is the moment to put Jesus to the test. Now, even if walking on water had always been one of Peter's life goals, this is hardly the time to be trying it out. But Jesus does as he asks. Come, he says. And Peter gets out of the boat and he finds that he's doing it. He's walking on water. For a few minutes, all is well. But then, suddenly, it dawns on Peter that the wind is very windy, and the waves are very wavy, and people can't actually do what he's doing. 
It's like that moment in a cartoon when a character runs off the edge of a cliff. For a few seconds they just keep going, but then they look down and realise that it's impossible and down they fall. Peter abruptly begins to sink. If he still had any doubts about Jesus, they seem to vanish. Lord, save me, he calls out. And immediately, there's the third one, Jesus reaches out his hand and pulls him to safety and takes him back to the boat. And then, only then, does the storm subside. Jesus picks his moments to act in this story, but he also picks his moments to wait. He doesn't take over. He doesn't wave a magic wand to still that storm as soon as it blows up or stop it blowing up in the first place. He doesn't say to Peter, this isn't the time for walking on water. Wouldn't you rather I stop the boat from sinking? He recognises that the times of waiting and doubting and struggling and failing matter too. They have a meaning and importance of their own for his disciples and for us, even if we can't see that at the time and just want those times to be over. Many of the disciples in that boat were experienced sailors. They probably thought they could cope with storms. Maybe they needed to get to the point where they knew they couldn't cope and had to accept help if they were going to become the kind of people who were any use to others who weren't coping. And Peter... Poor, daft Peter needed this ridiculous experience of trying and failing and being rescued if he was going to become the kind of man who'd be able to lead the early Christian movement as it tried and failed and needed rescuing again and again in its mission to spread the love of Jesus. It's an important message to take hold of. When we are storm-tossed, battered and overwhelmed by life, we all want a magic wand that will take away our troubles. We want God to put things back the way they were again. Often, though, it doesn't happen like that. Our problems don't instantly vanish. But instead of stilling the storm, God can help us to find his stillness within it, his peace that passes understanding, his voice that cuts through the howling wind that says, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And if we need time to doubt and to question like Peter, to test him out, he doesn't take that as an insult, but as a necessary part of our journey. Truly you are the Son of God, say the disciples. What is it that convinces them? Well, it's partly the control he's shown over the waters of the lake, I'm sure. But I wonder whether it's also the way he seems to know them, what they need and when they need it, their kairos moments. Back in the 14th century, an anchorite mystic, Julian of Norwich, who lived through the Black Death, said it better than I can. God did not say, you shall not be storm-tossed, you shall not be work-weary, you shall not be distressed. He said, you shall not be overcome. God isn't distracted as we so often are by the outward storms that swirl around us. He sees through them to the deeper needs of our heart and longs to help us become people who can live in the midst of the storm and help others to do so as well, held securely by the knowledge that we're not alone in it.
Whatever situations we face, however uncertain our times and our timings, we can be sure that when we need him, Christ will be there, walking towards us even on the most tumultuous waters to bring us his peace. Amen. Let us pray. Loving Lord, we give you thanks for your goodness towards us. We thank you for the glory of the world around us. And we thank you most of all for the love of your Son, Jesus. We pray for ourselves and for your church throughout the world that we might abound in that love and share it with others. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for your world. We pray for all those who today are living under the shadow of war or famine or disaster. We pray for those living in countries without a functioning health system. For those for whom the battle against coronavirus is a part of an ongoing struggle with many difficulties. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we thank you for our own community, for our families, friends and neighbours. We pray that we might see you in one another. We pray for all those who are seeking to bring help and support in this community. That you would give them strength. That they might be able to persevere when times are difficult. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we pray for those who are sick those who feel lonely or anxious. We pray that you would give them strength and comfort. We bring before you all those who are on our hearts today in a moment of silence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving Lord, we rejoice in your promise that death is simply a step into a new life. We pray for those who have died and those who mourn their loss. We pray that they might know that those whom we love but see no longer are held in your loving hands. We pray that we might share with them in your eternal kingdom. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. As we share in the peace, I'd like to invite you to think of someone who you know, maybe a member of our congregation, maybe a member of your family from whom you're separated, or a friend. Someone who you would like to feel that you're united with at this point. Because we're all held together in God's love, even when we're separated physically. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit we were all baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and builds up our common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Keep us, good Lord, under the shadow of your mercy in this time of uncertainty and distress. Sustain and support the anxious and fearful and lift up all who are brought low, that we may rejoice in your comfort, knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Take my skills, take what's yet to be.